It's the Rosolo edition of the podcast. No guest. We're doing Eastern Conference Finals. We're doing top three picks with Sarudi. We're going to do a bunch of lottery history. We're going to do some Kyrie free agency and life advice. So radio show style. It's Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter-player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. $5 doesn't get you what it used to get you. I asked for change the other day. The guy gave me back four. Introducing Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps. In your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. Ever heard of it? You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Today's podcast, uh, a lot of segments, old school radio style here. So there's a lot that I want to get to. And it's not the first half of game five in Miami. Boston takes a 3-2 lead on the heat. Uh, this is another ugly one for the most part, except for a big third quarter from Boston and a little later stretch there uh, that was pretty impressive from the two wing scores in Boston. So let's just start at the half. It's 42-37. I like you just sitting there. Probably going, my God, like that wasn't fun to watch. I mean, people were really hammering this game on social media, not having a great time. Fewest points scored combined in an Eastern Conference Finals first half in eight years. Tatum, one and nine to start the game, one and five from three. Um, that's a little bit into the third. And then at one point, I think Miami had missed 13 straight shots. Uh, Miami shot 17% in the third quarter. Jimmy Butler was the only starter to actually make a field goal in the entire third quarter, the only starter that made one. So we're left to try to figure out what this is. I actually don't think this is that complicated. I really don't. Uh, the fact that Heroes now missed two games because of the groin injury, Lowry, who is not even close uh, to being, you know, somebody that's just, you have to be honest with how you defend, you know, like there's some players you just straight up ignore, and it's really hard to hide any of those guys in a, in a good playoff series anymore. You know, the game, I think, there's a bunch of different things you'd love to do with your roster in a perfect world. You know, a playable big, a backup big, and a small lineup. Um, combo guards that can both set each other up and are okay with that role as opposed to wanting to ISO the entire time. Switchable wings that can shoot. You know, like these are all the things that you would love to have on a to-do list if you were building a great basketball team. And my one of my favorite things that I think is, is really the point is how many different players can you have that can initiate their own offense without it it being a complementary offense and not overlapping offense where you have too many guys. Because that's a really weird balance where you go, can I build a team like the Toronto Raptors at 1-19? Can I have a team where there's a bunch of players that can initiate their own offense, but not so many players that initiate their own offense that they're only good with the basketball? And the reason I bring this up is the Heat 
have very limited options uh, in this capacity at this point. If you look at the third and fourth guys from Boston, if you just go playoff scoring right now, that's Smart and Horford. So if you think, okay, after Brown and Tatum, who are the third and fourth scorers that generally in a given night are taking some of the other shots? And by the way, with Boston, you probably have more than that. You know, Grant can go off, as we saw against Milwaukee. Uh, Derek White was very aggressive last night. At this point, if you're third and fourth or Horford smart versus with Miami, because after Butler and Bam, like it's Struess and Oladipo, that's a problem, okay? Uh, Butler had 70 points combined in games one and two. He's had 27 total points the last three games, 10 of 40 from the field. Is he hurt? The is he hurt stuff in the playoffs is really difficult. It really depends on whether or not you like the player, <laughs> if we're all being honest. Um, you know, hey, I really like this guy. Oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's out. It can't be him, you know. Uh, I don't think that Jimmy Butler would ever be in a playoff game where he didn't feel comfortable. Okay, there are other players that I think have a certain level of stature that I've said for years, I don't really know if that guy's all that thrilled to be out there right now. I would never question Jimmy Butler on any of that stuff. I also think there's an adjustment to Butler that we've seen from game one. The rest of the series, too, is like, stay on the ground. Stay on the ground. Don't let him initiate the contact and live at the free throw line and hunt for free throws. Um, I also think Lowry, too, last night was... I'm not going to say I was sad for him because he's made me so mad so many nights over the last few years of watching him get this stuff called, but they're not calling it when he falls down now because it's like, well, if you can't make a shot, we're not going to give you any of this stuff. Um, so even though the third quarter was dominant for Boston, really I thought the stretch was that was, that was pretty impressive. Uh, Brown hits a three. Tatum hits a three. Tatum hits that, that step back fadeaway in the paint over Butler. Brown hits another three. Brown hits a three. Then he had the dunk. That got it to 83-60, and that's the game. And it could be looking back where you see Miami lost the Eastern Conference Finals. That stretch right there. Is it dramatic? Maybe. But it also feels accurate. Because I don't know where the scoring's coming from from Miami. I mean, does Hero come back? Does everybody look really good? You know, backs against the wall, tough DNA team. Game six, get one at Boston. Saying it out loud doesn't feel likely. Uh, but again, does I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it doesn't feel likely. And you just, Miami, I had enough concerns about their scoring overall uh, to begin with when, when, when they were healthy. Uh, because they were not one of the, the higher offensive output teams with a lot of different options. Let's also talk about Bam. The final number series, 18 and 10. Um, but he doesn't like some of these matchups. And that's why on Tuesday when I talked to Sedano, or I, I thought, is he somebody that nationally people like more than locally? But then I think he took that as now you know a heat thing and nobody respects Bam. And Bam played that card quite a bit too on the Defensive Player of the Year stuff, which was nonsense because he just missed too many games, which we have covered before on the podcast. But I think whenever we start to talk about somebody like, you know who's awesome? You know who everybody would want? And, and by the way, everybody should want a Bam out of bio on their team, okay? But you can tell there are certain matchups, whether it was Horford at times or if Rob were lurking or even a couple times they had to put Grant on him, where Bam didn't always love it. Like Bam without momentum on the catch, there are times where I felt like he was hesitant to score. The final numbers look okay. Uh, he got like eight points in the fourth quarter when it looked like you know the game was over, but Miami actually had a moment there with like 340 left. We go, wait, wait, is Miami going to make this a game and like get back into it? But you're just like, where's the scoring coming from? Like, How can they sustain outscoring Boston 20 to 10 over the last four minutes? That doesn't seem likely based on anything we've seen. Uh, which, again, it's still funny that Miami was up at the half here, but I felt like as bad as Boston played, 
you're thinking Miami should be up way more in this game. So I think there's a a bigger BAM conversation about watching them every night uh, or maybe some of you, you know, watching them more closely now this entire time. Because when you hear about how great somebody is, I think we all default to how come this guy isn't scoring more? How come he's not being more aggressive? How come he's not initiating more things, especially the way that we saw him in game three? But I'm telling you, watch for it in game six. There's certain times where he'll get it and he'll be like, Horford's up on him. Horford's very good at not giving up ground. So if you try to dribble at him, he just goes sideways with you. It's incredibly still doing this at 35. It was one of the great things about him against some of the other bigs. Now, again, bigs aren't exactly the guys putting it between their legs and shooting from three and all that kind of stuff. I mean, between Embiid, Jokic is just a freak in a different way. Uh, town scoring. We don't have a ton of bigs. You're just going, hey, score a ton. Even Aiton, who... It's just a different offensive player than Bam. You know, there's plenty of stretches there where, like, this guy doesn't do anything on offense because it's just not the way teams run their offenses anymore. Uh, The final stat here for the Heat that's just gross. Uh, There's no really other way to put this thing. The backcourt here, starting backcourt for the Heat, (laughs) that's Lowry and Struess. They have one basket in the last two games. One basket. They are one for 28 and one for 19 combined in the last two. So uh, good luck winning any playoff games against a really good defense like Boston with those kinds of numbers. We're going to do a bunch of draft stuff. I'm going to look at some historical stuff. I want to talk to Saruti about his magic in the number one pick because we've kind of laxed on that because, you know, guys go to bachelor parties and weddings. Are you ready to talk number one pick? I don't know if you are yet. So we're going to do that with Sarudi and some other historical stuff. And I'm going to talk about the top three guys because I spent a lot of work on it the last few weeks. And then we got some Kyrie stuff, life advice still coming up. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more. Book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow you shine. So, Rudy, talk to me. Where uh, where are we with this? Because I, I don't know that we've really given this the amount of attention. When you're t- when a guy on the show's team wins the lottery, I just don't feel like we've we've done enough justice to the conversation with you. Because you and I have talked a bunch off the air, uh, and I'll, I'll get to kind of how I feel about the top guys and look at some historic stuff. But go ahead. The floor is yours. No, and I talked a little, about it a little bit on Bill's pod as well. And I think a couple months ago, I declared I was team chat. And I'm still kind of there. Like, I still would have FOMO if the Magic didn't take chat and he ended up being good. But I've been watching some, listen, I've been checking tape recently, a lot of YouTube videos. And I know it's like, hey, don't watch the highlight videos, watch the full game. So I've mixed in a little bit of both. Jabari is impressive as hell, man. (laughs) He is impressive. The way that he gets at his spots, obviously he's 6'10", shoots over everybody. I think even his handle has been a little bit underrated. Like, I don't think he's this awesome playmaker. You know, I've seen people... I was actually talking to Sam Bassini a little bit, who we want to get on this pod uh, soon to talk about this a little bit more about uh, kind of how his, his handle is a little bit un- underrated. And he has like kind of this Tatum vibe to him where he gets the different spots on the floor and he's probably a better shooter than Tatum. Although Tatum's a better playmaker at this point in his career. And that's the, I guess maybe the knock on Jabari, but I'm to the point now where I still would go Chet one slightly because of the FOMO aspect, because I think he's just a better all-around player. I mean, the stuff that Chet does, like help defensively, he could dribble, pass, whatever. But I just don't think Chabari's going to miss. Like he's not going to miss. So you're going to get it. You're getting a guaranteed good player. And you know, I think he slots. I think both players slot really well into that Magic kind of power forward spot. I think Chet would be really good next to Wendell Carter Jr. And I think uh, Jabari would be really good next to Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz. So I'm kind of more 
I'm okay with Jabari, even though I'm still probably, I would lean Chet right now. I think this is really hard. I, I imagine, I don't know, I'll have to go back and look the pre-draft conversations, but I don't, I don't know how difficult it was. Because even with Cade last year and Mobley and Jalen and then even Scotty Barnes, like we're talking a lot of guys everybody liked. When I would check with teams, it was Cade across the board. And it makes sense, you know, watching this first year and the way the game is played. And you're like, okay, this guy can initiate all these different things and he can shoot and I can run my offense through him. Like, I'm just even, despite what Mobley did as a rookie, which is crazy, you're not really ever giving the ball to Mobley when you need a basket at this point in his career. And that's still, you know, part of the conversation. So when I look at these three guys, it is very hard. And that's why, like, I'll probably spend more time on these three than I have at the top for a long time because I just, I don't know. I mean, eventually you get to the point where I'm just, not doing enough. Here's here's how I would summarize the three guys. Okay. And this is this is it doesn't really mean anything. It'd be a good radio segment, but this is how I would draft the three guys. If I had nothing in place, I would take Paolo. If I had a bunch of things in place that I already liked, I would take Jabari. And if I was a GM that I knew wasn't I wasn't going to get fired from Sam Presti, I'd take Chet. All right. If I was if I was three or four years into the job and everybody was looking for me, now granted, I would personally take the best player worry about the rest of the stuff that's where you make monumental mistakes where you start drafting for your own survival but you we can't kid ourselves that that doesn't happen a lot in this league and so if you were completely secure i have no problem with team taking chet but if you're like if i get this wrong i'm gonna be on espn2 doing 130 wraps here wondering if i can (laughs) fill in on wednesday countdown uh that would for some GMs, that would factor into it. I still feel like Orlando has a pretty strong structure uh, yeah. down there. I think they're between two and three, the second and third option that you gave. They're the, I think they like the pieces that they have. They need a guy. And I think Weltman is also pretty secure. Like he's not Sam Presti secure, but this isn't a situation where, like, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take Paolo. I just, I wouldn't. Um, I, you know, I, actually, that's an interesting question, too. Like, what team do you think, if they had the first pick, would take Paolo out of like that group of five, six, seven? Because I don't know that there's any team that is completely bare. No, you're right. You're right. With this group, like Orlando thinks they have some guys, uh, and they do. I mean, Franz is awesome. Wendell has turned into kind of, you know, not the peak version of what you'd want him to be, but he got through the rough patches of, oh, no, is this guy going to be this kind of player that shows these glimpses that I really, really like? And they're different glimpses than Bamba. You know, Bamba shows glimpses, but there's too much stuff that I've already seen. Where Wendell... He's a tease player. He's a tease player. Right. That's what he is. You know, to write off Suggs, write off the rest of those guys. And as you've pointed out, Fultz was was good for them. Fultz awesome. is aggressive. The stuff he was doing when he came back at the end, I'd watch <laughs> and be like, I can't believe how aggressive this is. And this is something else I'm thinking about for next year when we do the over or under preseason or whatever, season preview stuff. Like, one of my things where I ended up having a bad record is because I was like, well, the tanking teams just give me the unders on all of them. All the under teams that I thought were tanking teams, I bet you, I think all of them went over. Because they all played way harder at the end. So you're right. There doesn't seem to be this team that has literally no one that exists. Okay, so I think that's funny on the Paolo thing. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm leading Paolo one. Wow. And you have him third. Uh, You can do more with him than any of the other guys. It's not debatable. You can run your offense through him. He was incredibly like... That team was so stacked. Like, going back and watching Duke games, like I have the last couple weeks, and I'm talking full Duke games. 
it's a one and done tournament and they were close to winning the whole thing. So we can't act like it was just, but that talent level on that Duke basketball team was so absurd that that's the five, really like six or seven guys that they had. And Paolo was okay kind of floating in and out of it. I don't think they did a great job. I think they should have let him be more aggressive, but it wasn't going to happen because Wendell's a good player. Um, AJ's really good on the ball, but he had to play kind of a shitty role for him. Roach saved their ass in one of the tournament games. Keels is somebody that was like thought to be a first-round pick when it all comes out. Mark Williams gets better and better every single time you watch him. So there was so much talent on this team that I thought Paolo did a really good job of fitting in with him. And I think he can put it on the floor. He can play make. He can. I know the shooting numbers aren't as good, but I'm not worried about his shot at all. At all, like I, I think it's. I think it's going to be good because it's very fluid. Um, there's, there's nothing weird about it. You know, maybe it's a little loose at times. And then the fact that Paolo, like people are like, oh, he's a little lazy, or you know, he floats a little. I think everybody kind of does. You know, there's just not a ton of guys that are like totally engaged every single defensive possession. And when I watched him, I watched the full Gonzaga game. Um, from the beginning of the year in Vegas, I watched that game. He had 18 in the first half. He was nuts. He was so clear. And again, that's, you know, Chet's developed since then, and, and Paolo had to leave that game, the IV thing, so the second half wasn't as good. But there was a defensive rebound where he got it and started transition, and his his stop to go first gear in transition for a guy at his size was crazy. So even though I watched Chet and I go, think about this, he's amazing off the ball, Offense and defense. He was the fourth option a lot of times for that Gonzaga team that had other guys. He understood his his awareness off the ball is incredible. The man you ball thing where he's just constantly looking, constantly looking like, okay, where am I positioned? Am I positioned right? His instincts to help when you drive at Chet, the way he kind of backs up and still keeps his hands up to contest drives right at him. Uh, the shooting looks like it's going to be real. The handle's there for somebody his size. It doesn't make a ton of sense. And when Chet makes a mistake, it actually stands out because you're like, wait, Chet made a mistake because he actually doesn't make many mistakes, even if they are little freshman moments. And yes, if you go right at him with a big guy and try to show like there was a player from Pepperdine that was like, I'm just going to beat you up on this post play. Chet's just not ready for it. He just isn't, you know, physically he's not ready for it. This isn't breaking news for all of it. Um, but I... I'm leaning Paolo here the more I watch all three guys. And I do think Jabari has – I think Jabari does get into trouble with his dribble. I do. So I, I would I would disagree with you on that one a little bit. I feel like Jabari right now is about a two-dribble guy. Yeah, all right. I, I would say I, more, more of like – I'm impressed at how he gets into his spots, not necessarily like him like breaking a guy down and kicking it out to the corner or something like that. Like he he definitely has a lot of work to do in that department. He doesn't play make. And that, that to be honest with you, that worries me. Like if you're going to take a guy, one, who does not have any playmaking ability right now, who is – who is, you know, you're picking him to be the best player in your team, right? I mean, if it's the first pick in the draft, he should be at least in that conversation. Um, that does that does worry me a little bit, but I still think that the the, the Jabari thing, like he's going to come into the league and in a couple of years be a top five shooter at six foot ten, and I, I don't think, and especially for a Magic team that like needs shooting like that. And then to get back to your Apollo thing, I mean, specifically for the Magic and even some of the other teams in the top, you know, top one, two, or three, you know. Orlando, Fultz is going to have the ball in his hands. They want to get Franz more involved in the playmaking situation. Um, obviously, Suggs is still there as like the sort of like a point guard, two guard hybrid. I don't know that they need a guy like Paolo to do the playmaking stuff. They need a, they need a guy who can like get you know go to and get him a bucket. Who's going to be good defensively? Like I look at that front court and go, you got Franz and you got Jabari or Chet and you got um, 
and you got Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, the Franz like Jabari thing, like you, I get flashbacks to like Hedu and Richard Lewis, like a better version of Hedu and Richard Lewis, which obviously gets me excited. Now there's no Dwight on this team, but I think some of the personnel around them could be better. The thing for for Paulo for me though is like if he, you know, I don't think he's going to Orlando because I don't think that's the profile of guy that they would take. I don't think he's going to OKC because they got like a million playmakers already. Houston does seem like the one team that makes sense, and he's been mocked there every single time. Um, and Jalen Green was on Bill Simmons' pod talking about how he wants to up his playmaking ability, but they still need a guy, I think, that could kind of help them do that. Jalen still seems like a straight scorer, you know, slasher, athletic guy. I actually think it'd be a great fit in Houston, even though, like, you know, who knows how that team is actually constructed. My big worry with Paolo the Ryan is, like, the profile of the player. He is... Like who, and I guess this is stupid because maybe you like who's Jabari and who's Chet in the NBA. I don't necessarily know. They're like kind of a little bit of like unique type players. But if Paulo, if you're saying he's like a better version of Julius Randle or he's like a better version of Blake Griffin, that guy, that guy worries me that you're a playmaking power forward who's not good defensively. He, he usually needs another guy or two to help get the most out of his game. And that would be the thing that scares me about Paulo. Whereas the other two, I think, can, I think could exist on their own and be totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just, it's hard to look at the three now and go, okay, well, who, who has the most to his game? And I don't know that it's really any kind of debate. Now could Chet have I the think, most? I think to you're his, right. Right. Now could Chet have the most in this league is superstar hunting. And so if you're sitting there going, Hey, Chet's ceiling, he profiles the guy that can do the most. I do think that some of the body type guys where I've, I've said this before, some of these massive perimeter guys, I'm almost like their bodies are now getting too big for their game. You know, is, is Chet going to be putting it on the floor and slashing through guys? That's why Durant is still, you know, kind of insane what this guy's been able to do with his size the entire time. Uh, here's one other stat. May mean something, may mean nothing. I just thought it was interesting because I went by each team and looked at what percentage of plays were run. What's the percentage of plays that were run for each of these three guys? For Gonzaga, they ran a Chet plays basically not what was run for him, but how many times he ended up being his play. Uh, just under 15%, third on the team, which isn't shocking because the team had some established guys. But he had 1.165 points per possession, which is an incredible number for a kid who's a freshman. Uh, different league, obviously, 98th percentile there. Paolo was first on Duke, 22.6% of plays ended up being his. His points per possession was still pretty good, but it was under a point. And Jabari was actually first at 19.4% in Auburn's, of Auburn's plays and just over a point per possession. So Chet, way ahead of him on that one. Defensively, <laughs> Jabari in plays that were towards, you know, that he defended. Points per possession against Jabari, 0.616. <laughs> that, that number is so stupid especially for somebody that's getting mixed up in some perimeter stuff too like there can be a rim guy in a bad conference or whatever and you're like okay that's an incredible number but for somebody like jabari like jabari's patience one of the things that first jumped out to me with jabari too defensively is a guy drives into him kind of like past the right block so he's not right on the block he's facing him so he's not like just trying to post and every other college player would have bit every other college player would have bit for this up fake he's a good player in the sec up fakes him and Jabari just stays right like straight up chest into him it's like I'm not falling for any of that stuff and I'm like this kid's a freshman and he already has this kind of stuff and his demeanor um there was a couple games with Jabari where he would get pissed at guys because he can seem like there's not as much emotion with him 
Like Chet's face, when this is all factors into it, like Chet can look like, oh, you know, this is too much for me right now. And that's not always true. Sometimes it is. Paolo looks like nothing's bothering him the entire time. Jabari can look like he's he's just, I don't know. There's not a lot of emotion in Jabari's face, but there are moments of emotion where his competitiveness comes raging through. that are all positives, all positives where he's mixing it up with other guys, which I don't know that that part of it gets talked about enough because I think people think he can be really passive, but I also think he was passive because as I'll say it for the hundredth time and I'll keep saying it, his guards were so bad at Auburn at, at making his life easier. They made it harder. So, Can I ask you a question about Chet? Yeah. If, if, he, was, if he was 15 to 20 pounds heavier or if he had broader shoulders or broader hips, is this even a discussion? Probably not, you know, and, and that's where you would just win the argument because that's going to happen. You look at the dad, you look at his frame, you know that he's going to fill out. I, I got to tell you, the, the, the weird running thing bothers me a little bit. His feet are good. His agility is really good. Um, I don't care that he gets his ass kicked on box outs. Like, that's what's going to happen. Look at his body. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. The hunched part of the way he runs... And it's weird because his his feet, he's fluid. It's it all that part of it. It's not like he's some plotting, you know, baby deer thing where he can't like, you know, you're like, what's up with this guy? That's not his feet. But his back and shoulders. Um it's like a hunch you know, thing. Yeah. 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 It it I I don't love it, is what I'm telling you. I don't love it. And yeah. maybe it doesn't mean anything. You. I don't know. I don't I don't know that it does or doesn't. My, my thing is like I'll I see people that are like, hey. You know, Sean Bradley, like he busted out of the league because he was too frail. His body was too skinny. Chet's not Sean Bradley. He, has, he doesn't play the same way as Sean Bradley. And then I've even seen some of like the, you know, he's Gobert. I don't know. Like, I think he, I think he isn't. He has Gobert better offensive skills that he, he has, has. He has better offensive skills than Gobert does right now. Currently. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Currently. Like, I would trust Chet in a game tomorrow, like in a, you know, you know, like a playoff game where he needed to be on the floor than I would somebody like Rudy Gobert because like he just, yeah. he's going to get played off the floor. That like might he just be a is. lot. But. Chet's going to go. <laughs> I don't think it, Chet can step out, knock down shots. And here's the thing. Like, I don't think Chet's going to be banging in the paint with guys. And especially if he gets drafted by the Magic, that's Wendell Carter Jr.'s job. Like they're going to be able to balance off of each other. And are there going to be two bangers on the court at the same time? Probably not. And I think Chet's good enough on the outside to move around and be a really good help defender and just swat a bunch, a bunch of shit away. Where he's not having to like basically have you know prime Shaq back him down anymore. So I think like I just don't like the comparisons of like this guy failed twenty years ago because he was because you know he had a slight frame. That's why Chet's gonna fail. I don't know. I mean, like look at KD. Like I guess KD had broader shoulders, but like look at like Brandon Ingram. You know, like I know Brandon Ingram's smaller. He's more of a small forward. But are we sure is Chet a center? Or like, can he be like this kind of hybrid perimeter player who is good enough athletically to move around, but also can like kind of be a little bit of force rim protector at the paint? Like, I don't think he's either of those things. And that's why I'm a little bit more open to him not being like bodied every time against a bunch of guys in the NBA. Well, you're not going to be running him as a center because he's not a center. He's, I mean, he may yeah. be defensively, but I mean, going back to the high school stuff, the reason he was this kid was ranked number one in a bunch of the different recruiting stuff at different times because of what he was as a perimeter player. And the best thing that he has going for him is watch is watching that year at Gonzaga and seeing how how good he was fitting into the flow of what they were doing and playing off the ball. Dude, he's never out of control. He's never yeah. out of control. And he'll run through, you know, whatever motion, you know, they'll he'll cut baseline, he'll come back up, he'll catch it, he'll swing. You know, that's that's an incredible personality trait for a kid 
that had a lot on him, a lot of eyes on him. Every, you know, there's so many games of Chet, too. You can see other teams, like it's an older guy, player looking at this white kid being like, oh, fuck this guy, I'm going to beat him up. And you're like, all right, maybe. Um, but then there's also, I think, the competition part of it, too. Like there were some other games against some better competition where it looked like he was lost a little bit. But I think his there's other players that have that recruiting profile that can put up some numbers, but you're like, it's only about this guy. And he hasn't figured out the rest of it yet. Chet already kind of has that. I don't mean deferential because it sounds negative, but in this case, I'll use it as a positive because I just thought that there were so many times with Gonzaga where I'm like, look how smart he is. Look how good he is off the ball. And he'll be able to kind of fit in and, and figure it out. But it's going to take a little bit longer where I think Paolo tomorrow would be a tough matchup in the NBA and a, and a high pick and roll. So, all right. Staying with the top 10, uh, which is not really what we're doing. We're talking about the top three. Um, this is something that I brought it before. And it's overwhelming how crazy this has been in the NBA draft here recently because you look at top 10 drafts and it actually plays into the Aiton conversation that Bill and I had on Sunday when we were talking about a bunch of different draft stuff. Uh, and to be fair, I was a little loose with the rules. I feel like I made a mistake and I actually want to talk about that and maybe talk about it and build. When we were talking about signing trades with Aiton, that's a really, really dangerous game to get into if you're an NBA team being like, let's figure out a sign and trade where he lands and then the team takes the player that we want. So we're able to get a 22 pick in the sign and trade. Uh, you're also probably inviting some sort of charges against you, but it, it's not. I'd say it this way. It's not impossible. OK, you know, when Wiggins was traded, it was pretty much understood that he was going to be on the move for Kevin Love. That's different. Uh, it wasn't a sign and trade. And so that adds to it. So it's not impossible that Aiton could be traded, but it, it feels more likely that Phoenix is going to want to get the asset back in some kind of sign and trade. So then to pull that off a week plus remove from the draft um, isn't, isn't super likely. So I should just back up there. But if we were talking about it just in the conversation of like, what's Aiton worth? And we were kicking around the idea of like, well, would you take him would you trade the fifth or sixth pick for him? You know, if Detroit's at five, if Indy's at six, you know, what's what's an eight and worth? And I think a lot of fans would go like, no, hold on. Like, let me take that pick. I really do. And I think there might even be some GMs who go, well, give me the rookie contract the first four years, I'm control of whatever. And I'm looking at it going, whatever you think of eight now, who's probably get the lowest Q rating that he's ever had because of what just happened with the Suns team, you would still want this guy in your basketball. I think that's okay to say. But when you look back historically at what's been happening with these top 10 picks in the NBA, it's it's incredible how quickly teams are moving off of these players. Um, 2019, we already have two guys that are on different teams, Culver and Cam Reddish. 2018, Marvin Bagley, Wendell, uh, Knox, and then you could say, depending on what happens with Mo Bamba and Colin Sexton, that could be 5 of 10, all right? Now you're thinking, hey, Rasilla, you're playing with the numbers here a little bit. It's only 3 of 10. Okay, but that draft wasn't even four full drafts ago. We haven't until we get to the draft next month. 2017. Fultz gone. Lonzo gone. Both two years. Fultz played 35 games for the Sixers. Josh Jackson, two years gone. Laurie Markinen gone. Frank Nilakina gone. Dennis Smith gone. Zach Collins gone. That's seven of ten players from the 2017 draft in the top ten that are gone. There are three, excuse me, four players in that draft for the seven that bounced made it two years or less. 2016, Simmons, who missed two of his six seasons with the Sixers, gone. Ingram, gone. Bender, gone. That's the dragon for some of you casuals. Chris Dunn, 
I don't like when people say casuals, by the way. When Christian Wood called Shaq a casual, I'll zag. I didn't like it. Moving on. Uh, Buddy Heald, less than a year, part of the Cousins trade. Marquise Chris, two years gone. Jakob Pertle, gone. Thon Maker, gone. Eight of the 10 top 10 picks in 2016, gone. 2015, nine of the 10, gone. D'Angelo Russell, gone. Okafor, gone. Perzingis, Herzonia, gone. We going to eat Mario Herzonia updates? No? My guy. Willie Cauley-Stein, Moody gone. <laughs> Stanley Johnson, gone. Frank Kaminsky, gone. Winslow, gone. So you're starting to think, okay, well, that draft will have been seven years ago. Okay, but five of those guys were gone in less than three years. That's nine of ten. So here are the numbers. From 15 to 17, the top ten picks in those three drafts, 24 of the 30 picks are with new teams. 12 of those 30 lasted two years or less in that two-year or less window. If you were traded maybe a couple months into that, that third season. twelve We're at almost half the guys from a three-year draft window making it just over two years. So yeah, I love the top of this draft. But when you start doing stuff around six and seven and like, would I trade this for a guy that can make an all-star team who's 25 and really good? Like, yeah, I would. But again, with Aiton, four more complications is just somebody under contract that you would be trading for a lottery pick. So I wanted to make sure because I was, again, it's not impossible. It just, I was a little too free and loose with uh, the possibilities. I think the way I described it on Sunday. I think you're, you're, you're hundred percent right in your assessment. The only thing with Aiton that I would, that I would push back on is like, I just don't think he's a ceiling raiser. I, and like Bill asked me if I would trade Wendell Carter Jr. and Cole Anthony for Aiton. And I said, no, partially because I kind of subscribe to the Haralabob theory that like it, unless my center is Embiid or Jokic, like I don't want to pay that guy the max. Like I, I don't think that's a win for your team. So yeah, like sure he's a good player, but I'd rather take Wendell Carter Jr. for example on like an awesome contract and then another scoring guard than Aiton, who I don't think like he's good on the Suns. Like I think he makes sense for that team, and he might make sense for like an Indiana or maybe a Charlotte, but. I don't think he's the guy that you get in your building and go, this is the guy that we build around. He's a guy. And I'd be scared paying him the max, to be honest with you. Without Chris Paul, I'm a little worried. I'd have to know. It's just talent for talent. Anthony and Wendell for Aiton, I would disagree with you. But yes, yep, I also agree fair. about the, the paying the center part of it. The paying, paying a center, 30 plus million in today's NBA when you can find, but that's also assuming that I get to use this 30 million somewhere else and some other awesome guy. And that yep. opportunity does not present itself nearly enough that's why all of these teams keep re-signing guys that they don't necessarily want and that will lead us into the Kyrie Irving news that we got yesterday about his future with the Nets we'll do that coming up Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card you earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day that's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The Kyrie news yesterday was uh, pretty specific. It was a quote. Um, I think from one of the New York papers, because I read a couple different articles yesterday, so I apologize if I'm not getting the perfect attribution in here. But the quote was that uh, the Nets are outright unwilling to give Kyrie a long-term extension. So what are the numbers? 
Kyrie has a player option for $36.5 million. If he declines that, he can come straight up free agent, which makes him eligible for a five-year extension for $248 million. Just turned 30 in March. That that number for Kyrie makes me go, like, can I sign Harden? Uh, maybe not that, but that's a big, big number. And it gets back to kind of some of the other stuff that we were talking about. It's like, all right, yep, all right, you don't want to pay this guy. You don't want to pay eight. You don't want to pay centers. You don't want to pay these guys. Okay, who are you going to pay? Like it's it's why the Golden State Warriors gave D'Angelo Russell all that money because they needed to figure out some way to supplement losing an asset like Durant for nothing and salvaging that slot so they'd have a piece to use a little bit later. And that ended up being the Wiggins deal and then getting the pick. So teams will pay players money that doesn't make sense to any of us, maybe even them, because they're so fearful of just losing the asset outright. All right. Kyrie's a special case here, though. And I don't know how much more I have to say on Kyrie. I mean, I do have have more, but I don't know how different it's going to be. It's just, he is at this point, I'll never forget this. There's an NBA guy, big time, big deal, very successful, one of the all-timers. And he was very cool to me when I was younger. And he was talking to me about people in general, people in life. And he goes, eventually, like, we all become backable or not backable. You know, he's like, Try to become a backable person. Be somebody to be like, you know what? That guy, backable. Because when you're dealing with people that are unbackable, you just get to run in the opposite direction. And you know, eventually we all kind of fall into one of those two categories. And at this point of Kyrie's career, he's a completely unbackable NBA player. He's an unbackable asset. Uh, he's an unbackable teammate. And I understand, you know, delving into the world of Kyrie. I even listened to the Durant podcast with him for like 30 minutes because I was like, I just need to understand. I, I, is there anything I'm missing? Is there some kind of blind spot that I don't get it? And I listened to it. And the only thing that I came away from all of this was that I think Kyrie likes the attention of being a martyr. I think he likes the, oh, everyone's talking about me and it's always me and it's always me. I'm like, hey, man, you just don't play. It's pretty simple. You just don't play enough. You don't play enough. Uh, the numbers are staggering when you go over it again. Kyrie's played in 103 total games for the Nets in three years. 103 games. Uh, he's played in only 13 to 20 playoff games for the Nets. Um, if you go all the way back to 17, so starting in 18, we'll put it that way, between the Celtics and the Nets, he's played in only 22 of the 43 playoff games that his team has been playing in. Um. And this all started when Kyrie was 25. And like I said, he just turned 30. So this stuff was happening when he turned 25 and now he's 30. And now you're supposed to give him a five-year deal for somebody that just doesn't seem to want to play a ton of basketball. And you can have all sorts of stuff going on. And I don't love comparing any of us mere mortals to the superheroes that are NBA stars. Because whenever we apply normal workday stuff with them you're usually making a mistake but i do think in this case it does apply because if any of us you know that work at something that's important enough for it to matter where you know you have contracts people have to make decisions on us the next day it's not like hey give me your visor you're out of here which i've had those jobs too no offense but you get to a certain point in your life where you have a job where you matter right you're important to the success of the place that you work at and you know you're like hey i got something going on at home Okay, totally understand. Take all the time you need, you know, which doesn't mean take all the time you need. Like take a couple of days, figure it out. What do we need to do to help? You're important. We want to make it work. Then you do it a second time. Then you do it a third time. And then, you know, hey, I've got some medical stuff. All right, that's serious. Your health is the most important thing. Take care of it. 
And then it's like, man, that guy's always sick. That guy's always got something going on at home. All of these chips are stacking up because the next time that somebody has to make a decision about you, they're going to ask these questions. Is this person reliable? Is he backable? Is he somebody we can depend on moving forward? And if people start saying no about those things, about you in a conversation of deciding your financial future with a company, it's not going to work out for you. So you can act like you have all of this freedom. Almost none of us have the freedom, at least in social media, we like to pretend sometimes that we have. We don't really have that kind of freedom. I don't have that kind of freedom. I imagine almost everybody listening here doesn't have that kind of freedom. And again, none of us are as special at what we do as Kyrie is at his, but there's still a team part of this. Now, I was listening to somebody talk about OTAs the other day because Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to show up again. And it's weird. Like, I'll listen to former players be like, oh, that's stupid. We don't like any of this stuff. But then we'll hear about like sacrifice and team and culture. And it's like, wait, you want to build all of those things, but you don't want to do any of the other stuff that leads into building that? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, Really, this will come down to Durant, who signed up uh, through 25-26. Durant has some really interesting quotes about Kyrie, where it still feels like he's all in. You know, he starts saying, he's a human being first, and he's my friend, and not only do you get along on the court, but even if we don't get along on the court, we can still get along off the court. I was like, man, he's still kind of all in on him, and that's really what you need to figure out if you're the Nets. So maybe the headline is more about, hey, we just don't blindly want to give you five years and $248 million if you want to opt out and you get an offer somewhere else, which I still believe that Kyrie would be somebody that there would be a market for, but that might be what this is. It's just a position that the Nets are taking now publicly, suggesting we're not just going to give you the 5 248 the way the basketball has always done business in the past, because with you, we just don't know how available you're going to be. And this is a five-year trend of basketball just not seeming like it's as important to you. But that maybe that means it's a discounted number, but Kyrie may fall into that category of one of the few guys that you're like, no, I'm sorry. I know normally everybody else just pays you this and we want to keep Durant happy, but maybe keeping Durant happy is trying to figure out some much lower number. Or maybe he just bops into the player deal and, and goes back at it another year. But with his own health, he may try to get whatever he can as a longer-term thing this offseason. Can I just finish with something that's unrelated to everything that we just talked about? It was a headline yesterday. I know Kyle got excited about this. Mac Jones in the best shape of his life. All right. We've seen Mac Jones with his shirt off. This would be the equivalent of me being a dad, you know, neighborhood cul-de-sac. Some of the kids are running around. I've got maybe a chorus like going. Some guy's telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm like, yeah, cool. Got it. Um, and I look at my kid, and he's five, and his name's Bo. Bo Rosillo. Thor Thor. I haven't decided yet. And you guys see the Northman yet? No. Not, not great, I'm, guys. I'm excited about not it. Great. Oh, yeah? I, me too. I didn't think it was good. Bajor, I thought Bajork was great in it. Um, <laughs> Defoe. I can't imagine a couple edibles what that Defoe scene would be like. It was scary. He was scary. <laughs> was it? He was scary. I was like, I, let me tell you what it was like. Um, if I were to turn to my neighbors and point to Bo Rosillo and say, you see him running? Fastest he's ever been in his entire life right now. And then the neighbor would be like, well, he's five. Like, what were you working with prior to this? That's the equivalent of Mac Jones being in the best shape of his life. We weren't, he was a before picture. He was a before picture that you were like, put a shirt on. 
And so for now, people to say like at this young age, the best, I'm not impressed by the headline is what I'm telling you. Now, I haven't seen him with a shirt off. Maybe he looks terrific, but we weren't him, him saying any of this news that's his best shape. Like, I'm kind of like, cool. I'm glad we finally got there. I think this is a misleading headline is my point. This is a little fitness corner for you. I mean, at this point, just let him coach the team. We don't know who's coaching the offense anyway. At this point, just let him coach the team. He's looking great. I honestly thought he, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the way he looked as uh, as a guy who uh, who was watching him early on. I really didn't think it was a problem. But yeah, this is cool. This is cool. And I mean, in the time when there hasn't been super positive headlines, you wonder if it's bad that this is the best they could come up with, or you wonder if this is really, he's that been that impressive. So uh, Bill thinks we're going to go like, you know, have six wins. I don't want to hear that shit. So uh, I told him not to text me about that anymore. But um, I'm I'm really uh, impressed to Mac Jones, and I'm probably going to go to Vegas to see him play the Raiders. So, um, oh right, yeah. Kyle, are you going to get into any fights? You think Vegas? I don't know if I would. Raiders. I don't know if I'd want to fight Raiders fans. The Raiders. I don't think I would. Want, I mean, Chargers fans all day, but Raiders fans, I don't think I'd want to fight. Whoa, I think oh. you're probably right there. Uh, Mac Jones, I I don't want to ever see him in good shape. I'm sorry. He's, he's like it's like Roethlisberger. If Roethlisberger's like, yeah, man, like drop whatever, however many pounds, feeling good, slim down, some tonage in the arms. No, I like the chubbier version of you. That's who you are. And you're never going to out Brady Brady. So what are you even doing here? Like the last oh, guy that man. tried to look good in New England got kicked out. He got traded. So like Mac, I feel like Mac embraced the huskiness. And then you could always just blame him on the ribcage. Like I'm not actually fat. It's just the ribcage. I think you're trying to be funny and I don't like it. Who, me or Saruti? Saruti. Didn't like that. I'm serious. Yeah, I could. I don't want to see him back in shape. I don't want to see him with like a six pack looking good, a good head of hair. <laughs> well, no. I don't know what I would do with that, but I mean, we could definitely, it could definitely be like a little better. You know, I, I agree. I mean, you're not asking him to run like QB keeper. I'm not going to out Brady Brady. Out I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> out Brady Brady. Whatever, man. It's a new era. You got new jerseys. Whatever. Is he don't not going to be Brady? Are you? Are we worried now that Mac Jones is not going to be the next Brady? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I hate to break it to guys like Bill and Kyle, but like they got Mac. It was like a steal in the draft. Like he was, he's a good player. And then everything changed. But I'm not sure you're in a good spot right now. <laughs> and with then all the everything other quarterbacks changed. in the AFC. No, look, yeah, they, they sorry, beat a bunch man. of, they beat a bunch of teams like in the middle of that, that overrate, that was such an overrated run in the middle of it where it was like, oh, look who's back. It's the Patriots. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not as good as those other teams. I feel good, good about to be that back, one. Though. It felt good to be back. Yeah. I can tell you that. A couple of weeks there, I was like, oh, here we go again. I'm like, are we going there again? Are we? Speaking speaking of aesthetics, though, are we just going to ignore? Do you have a Fu Manchu, Ryan? What's I do. What's going on right now? I do. I get the handlebars <laughs> going <laughs> today. going to let this go. <laughs> What's this? Is there, are you buying a bike? Like it's a, not a like Fu Manchu. I got, no, I got handlebars going. Uh, okay. I used to do it a lot when I bartended. So, <laughs> no. I wouldn't say it was like, uh, I mean, I've done it. I've done it since. It, this isn't like the first time I've done it in 20 years or something ridiculous. But no, I just did it. I just did it the other day. So we just run the clippers down the chin and then it's done, right? Yeah, it's funny too because I forgot and I had a um, shout out to Matt Bushman, Toronto Blue Jays in town, taking on the Angels. And so he came up for a little bit. I hadn't seen him in a while. And uh, I, you know, I, I watched the game this morning. I watched it. We, we sat at the bar area and had dinner and then uh slay which was terrific just kept bringing out stuff for us um the owners from st louis bushman's from st louis so shout out to david um i don't know so i forgot was that I kept... red sox pitcher back in the day who not it wasn't eckersley and he had mark he portugal had... <gasps> no are you saying rod beck 
Rod Beck. <laughs> yeah, Rod Beck. <laughs> I just always like saying Mark Portugal. Uh, I knew that's not who you were talking about. Pat Rapp. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a little Rod Beck there. You just got to grow the hair out a little bit more, you know? I could grow the Ben Franklin out the back and just put a hat on. Like, Look <laughs> at that guy. That would be... If you ever see me just grow out the back, just see, just be like, hey, do you want to look grosser? But the thing is, is with the handlebars, I forgot I had them. And so I was at this nice restaurant having dinner, saying hello to a couple people. And I kept being like, why are people looking at me so fucking weird? And then I was like, oh, that's right. I have a handlebar going right now. And people will definitely go, wait, is this guy like walking around out in town, has a job, pays his bills on time. He's he's got a handlebar mustache. What's going on? So, yeah. yeah. So if you were to be mistaken for an athlete, do you think it would be hockey at this point? Or do you think it would be maybe something else? Fighter? No, I don't. <laughs> I would hope no one would be that offensive to, to real fighters. <laughs> I mean, uh, what's the look? I mean, it changes a lot. This just this little bit changes changes the look. I mean, you've got the, you know, you're out in your legend stuff. Maybe they don't know if you've got a brand deal or you just, you know, you like it or whatever. So maybe it's just like, well, what's what's this guy's story? We're in Manhattan Beach. Maybe there's guys around here. What do you think? Maybe, maybe I would say hockey, but I don't really know much. Uh, you know, it hap- every now and then. I mean, I feel like such a dickhead talking about this. So I don't know, but like it'll happen every now and then because somebody will like, you know, because I went really heavy on the legs the last year or so. So somebody be like, "Oh, do you play?" So there was a construction crew outside. They were like, "We took a bet of what sport you played," and I was like, "Well, wait a minute, for money or just still play?" So that's what I I'll do that. If it ever comes up, somebody be like, are you an athlete? I'm like, yeah. And they go like, wait a minute, where'd you play? I'm like, oh, you mean for like money? I'm like, no. I just, I was answering yes or no if I'm an athlete. You so. should just say like, ah, tennis. <laughs> <laughs> tennis, tennis, my back would seize up like within five minutes. I went to go play pickleball the other day and they're like, yeah, actually we reserved these courts four or five days ahead of time. I was like, okay, this sport's over. You have to plan. But uh, I, I think I'll probably yes. go play basketball tomorrow because I played full court the other day three full games and uh it was it was quite the experience but i don't want to not go back and all right do you guys people are people still listening to this podcast let's move on to life advice <laughs> mac jones and handlebar mustache yeah let's go okay D-block. life advice <laughs> this episode is brought to you by arby's you know what i hate hate is after lunch there's all this time before dinner i hate it so i'm always like do i do this it's like you should gain season, throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Buy. It's Wonder Water. So I was wondering what made Buy so great. And it's actually pretty simple. Buy has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners. And the flavors are delicious. For me, it has to be Buy Zambia Bing Cherry. So for flavorful hydration, choose Buy. It's Wonder Water. Learn more about Buy and discover all of the exotic, bold flavors at drinkbuy.com. You want details? Buy. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. 
I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> all right. We have a slam pack car follow-up. Do we want it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Short and sweet. All right. We have two follow-ups. Rudy's absolutely right about getting some credit from the wife for standing up for her in a moment of crisis. I had a situation early in COVID where my wife's dad was adhe- wasn't adhering to anything recommended, and he was, is severely obese. So we all assumed he was definitely dead if he got... <laughs> oh, this is dark. <laughs> we definitely assumed he was dead if he got this based on the initial reports of at-risk people. My wife and her brother had expressed a bunch of concern to him multiple times, and then via the group text to the family, my father-in-law bit back at my wife. I proceeded to call and absolutely light him up with an exploit of laden tirade that had probably been years in the making. Yeah, it sounds like this may have been not just COVID related. <laughs> my wife was very happy and my mother-in-law called to say she wished her husband would back her up like I did for her daughter. Probably a little over the top, but get some goodwill with the women and also let the father-in-law know there's a changing of the guard. <laughs> yeah. This is some Viking. Speaking of Northmen, some real Viking shit. <laughs> Back to the Northman, though, real quick. What is that? Skarsgård? Is that who that guy is? Yeah. 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 I don't think he's an athlete. So he's he's out there uh, sort of hunched over. Didn't look great. Up. Yeah, didn't look great. But I don't think he's an athlete. The so movements didn't look great. He's just ripped. If he's walking around in some five-inch inseams in Manhattan Beach, some legends gear, and somebody, they won't, they'll just watch him walk and be like, I don't think that guy's an athlete. So Just check ball and I, say, let's I, go. It's about the only thing I got in Skarsgård. Okay. Uh, hey, wait, real quick. Yeah. I got a follow-up as well. <laughs> this podcast I just feel, is so... I feel vindicated on this. Uh, yes. The amount of people that hit me up and said that I was absolutely right on the pilot thing, I just want to say, a lot of dudes saying autopilot once you get in the air. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, a lot we of had a, we It's had just a something lot. you don't say out loud. That's all I meant. Yeah. It's just something you don't yeah. say out loud. Yeah, right. All right. Well, it's true. I don't know what you want me to do. It's fine. All right. <laughs> okay. It's like trying to tell Gail King that Serena Williams isn't better than Federer now, you know, <laughs> it's like you just you're just not Where's allowed to win? do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see here. Uh, all right. There you go. I think that's pretty much it. This guy had all, yeah. all about Serena. So the actual um, guy that was in the car checked in. Do you want that email? Of course we do. Yes. Is anyone saying no to that? What else Maybe are we people. doing? Come on. Right. What else? What else are we doing today? Okay, thanks for the advice. Now that the guests are gone, my wife and I have come to the same conclusion the other night. Yes, I was right, but is it is being right worth it? And the answer is probably no. Consider it a life lesson. Some clarification, uh, some clarifications if you care. Of course we do. Yes, the trunk is more of a cargo area hatchback setup, but my father-in-law has that thing you pull across your storage area that's kind of like a blind that's oh, designed that to hide sucks. your valuables. Um yeah. It's permanently installed, or at least he doesn't know how to disengage it, and it automatically pulls across when you close the back door. <laughs> so uh, this is more okay. of like it's being a trunk again. A trunk. It's a trunk again. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> so it basically halves the space, <laughs> and you can't put anything in that thing anyway. Get it out. Help him get it out, man. And it's for, dark for his own good. Right. Not great. Help him get it out. <laughs> so we never left the restaurant parking lot in the clown car seating arrangement. So they never even made it out of the parking lot. The car never got over five miles an hour, so my ire was directed at dads one and two who were sitting on the exit doors and never made the attempt to get out of the car. So this dude was in the middle. He was riding (laughs) B-style. B-style. 
All right. So, okay. Um, and by the way, the mom was the designated driver and it wasn't her car. So she didn't even know how to, and she's in a Maserati. God. Yeah. This is like, whose car was it? It's like a new video game that's coming out. So here's the deal. You're in a Maserati, but the driver is the designated driver and it's not her car. And there's two 300 pound guys next to you and you're in the middle and your wife's suffocating in the back. It's like, it's like a riddle. It's like, I need more coins. I need more. All right. Um, I think it was understated how the recently retired community lived life without a sense of urgency. Typically, I'm not head hot headed. My wife is not a whiner. So both instances were out of character. Uh, so sorry for the Peloton output. That was stupid. I, I don't think we really beat him up. I think we were just sort of like, all right, cool. Got it. Because we just keep it moving at the top. So good for you on the Peloton. You didn't even give a number out. I was actually curious as to what the number was. Uh, he's an Oriole fan, so he's very uh, excited about the uh, the Adley debut. Did you see the Adley, the catcher that get the call up? Did you see the video of him, the minors that they released? And people were like, oh, this is the best. I thought it was the worst. Hey, I'm going to fuck with you for 60 seconds before I tell you you've been called up to the bigs. I don't know. You got to check out the video. I'll check it out. Let's get, let's try to help some people here. (laughs) Okay. This was pretty straightforward. I don't know. I have an answer to this one. 26, 6, 5, 2, 15. Lanky arms mean I can't slang any weight around the bench. Um, No, it's it's actually true, man. Don't worry about it. Uh, I can average under 745 for a a mile for a half a marathon. Okay, cool. But can't dunk at 6, 5, 2, 15 and 26. Dude. Mm, It's a lot of info, pal. Yeah. Are you go, are you allergic to anything? <laughs> okay, I'll try to get to the point quickly. <laughs> Great. Yeah, but some of the details are important in understanding what I'm dealing with. So I just got off a nice little couple's vacation with my recent girlfriend. She's amazing in every way, but want to go on more trips like this down the line uh, and want to go on more trips. My problem is she has one friend who's going to make me go crazy. Let's call her Irene. It's a good, crazy name. No mm-hmm. offense to any Irene's listen. Uh, I have a friend who was engaged to somebody named Irene at one point. So just just, just trying to get out of the system. Irene is nice for the most part and means well, but she completely bulldozes everyone when making plans and causes so many inconveniences for us as a group. For example, she made us all drive an hour into the middle of the jungle to go on a coffee tour without even confirming the place was open. We show up and it's completely abandoned. <laughs> Where were you vacationing? The Congo? Like what? <laughs> All right, so you went to a coffee shop in the middle of the jungle, hour closed. She referenced the fact that it had a five-star Google, it had five-star Google reviews, plural, and an active website as an excuse, and she won't own up to it as a mistake. Dude, the thing had five fucking reviews from two years ago, and the whole having an app, an active website, are you serious? <laughs> That's a terrible, I couldn't agree with the email yeah. or more. And what is an active website, just because it's not down, Dunder Mifflin style, under construction? Okay. Uh, I get you an active website in like two hours. It's not, it's not that hard. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could, you know, there's probably going to be some tech guys. Like, Do you race Formula One? No, I make shit tons fixing computers. Uh, that would say, well, if you shut down this. Okay, fine. It's She's wrong. Emailer's right. Spend an entire day doing that. She also makes us recycle literally everything, which, hey, I'm a big believer in recycling, but if the Airbnb doesn't do it, I'll do what every other normal person will do and just throw them away. Uh, she made us haul all the recycling into the back of the cars on the way to the airport to go completely out of the way to go to a recycling center. Where was this vacation? My poor girlfriend can't really get an opinion out there with this girl, so usually just tags along, which means so do I. So my question is, how can I avoid ever traveling with her again when she's my girl's best friend? You could just not travel with her again. <laughs> just say no. 
yeah, I'm not doing any of those things. I mean, your girlfriend was there for the coffee place that doesn't exist and the recycling road trip, you know, uh, but it doesn't sound like that's an option with this one. I wouldn't want to do anything to put my relationship in jeopardy because we're both super happy right now, but I might lose it if I have to go on another trip with Irene. Do I just have to suck it up and tell my girl that I can't travel with a friend and risk hurting her? I mean, just can't you ask her and go, hey, did you have fun when we went to find that abandoned coffee place? Did you enjoy the recycling road trip? Did you enjoy any of those things? I'd like to not do those things on my vacation. If this, like, is your girlfriend really going to say, sorry, we have to continue to inconvenience ourselves on vacations if you want to make this work? Is she going to, does anyone answer it that way? I mean, again, there's always somebody that would say it that way. Uh, Kyle? I think your way is the best. The other thing I could say, you could just put out bad vibes next time you guys are like out and about. Not necessarily go on a trip to put out some bad vibes, but we went to uh, a bad vibe trip. Yeah, and I like that's a waste of a trip, obviously. But I mean, like we went to this. uh, No, but just let's back your whole concept of the next time they plan something, just have it be terrible on purpose so that you sabotage (laughs) it. Yeah, like and it wasn't terrible. I like that idea. Like, no, this is my my. Uh, my now fiance took the hint. Uh, it was probably two years ago. We went to a sporting event with another couple. Um, and it was my first time meeting him. And the guy just, I mean, was really awful. The stadium security didn't, I guess, hasn't been to a stadium since they were like, you can't bring a backpack in, pal. Um, so I don't know. It was like he was in the wrong, made a really, I just was like, I'm sort of like Bill in this way with new people. It's like, you know, you have to prove me wrong first. And like, basically everyone kind of starts at zero and it goes negative really fast. And that was, that was negative. And apparently the vibes I put out were just no good. I was perfectly pleasant, but the vibes weren't great. And I was like, what's going on with your friend? I was asking her the other day. She was like, well, everyone knows you hate her boyfriend. I was like, I definitely don't hate him. Don't love the guy. But I was like, you know, I didn't realize I was putting out those vibes. I just thought, I just thought the guy was being a major asshole. And I guess it showed in my face and maybe the short, interactions i've had with them so i was like maybe you just point out the vibes and you just make it not a choice because she's like yeah like i want to go see her again but you know we kind of want to do a couple's thing and we don't think you guys like vibed very much so maybe you could just put out the vibes take the heat as like yeah maybe we won't do a thing with all of us together and then maybe just her and her her friend could hang out without having to invite you along that's that's what i meant I, Ryan's well, way is definitely better, but if you, if that conversation goes badly, you could just put out some bad vibes. That's all I mean. My, my way is not, this is not insightful at all, though, so I like that better. I mean, the whole, how many times have we answered this? we like, well, you can't just say something to her, you know? It's not Probably like, wouldn't have got here if, right, if that right. was possible. Yeah. yeah. Right. If I was just doing that every single time, I don't know, the segment would be all that exciting. But uh, I, all right, so Sarudi, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. No, I think there's really not much to add. I, I agree with Kyle. The only thing is like that could kind of blow up in your face because then if you're a dick and you don't really want to like lose this relationship and she's like, why are you being a dick? And it creates unnecessarily hostility between you and your girl. Then that's that's not awesome. So like I know it's not the best. You know, it's probably super simple, but I do think it's just like, hey, to your point, Ryan, did you have fun? And if if she's like kind of more open about it, and she's like, actually, it kind of sucks. I don't really want to be on these. but She's just my friend. And then you guys are in this together and you could avoid the next one. But I think like just do both. Either be a, be a dick and then also ask her, like, did you have fun on this trip? Well, hold on, guys. No, then, then you guys are I'm good. not saying I'm a dick. And I think there's a fine line between being a dick mm. and throwing out bad vibes. Okay. Here's, here's, there's is another thing you could do. There is another thing you could do. Like, I had, I remember, uh, which year was it? Yeah, I think it was 98, 98 Expos. My roommate and I bartending. Great days, also dark days. But we go, you know what? Let's ride up from Burlington. Let's go up to Montreal. Let's check out an Expos game. And my buddy's like, all right, cool. They're playing, uh, you know, Tuesday night. We're off, 7 o'clock. I'm like, all right, awesome. Drive up. Love driving to Montreal. Take the monster truck across the border. 
throw in some 311. <laughs> Talk about stuff, plans, thoughts, dreams. Just people, like which bartenders in town sucked, which were awesome, really important stuff. And I'm like, man, not much traffic on the way into this game. And I'm like, man, you just pull up and park right here in Olympic Stadium. I'm like, I guess it's dead. Get out of the truck. Uh, go up. Ticket windows are closed. This is pre-phones. This is pre-checking you know, checking stuff out. I mean, you sort of checked out stuff on the internet then, but you didn't really all the time. Uh, they were away. He didn't know the difference between the red square and the white square on a baseball schedule. He didn't know the difference. I grew up with it. And so the Expos were away. I think they were, I think we thought they were playing Arizona. Although that wouldn't have made sense either because we should have been able to see the time thing. Whatever it was, they were on the road and there was no game. What was it? How was the ride back? So I'm pretty sure we stayed the night. Just said, hey, we're <laughs> both 22. Let's go get hammers. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just stay in Montreal and get a $40 a night hotel with twin beds. Uh, Here's the point is that we gave him shit about that forever after the fact. Be like, hey, what time's the game on tonight? Don't ask Pete. <laughs> right? Don't ask Pete. Be like, oh, hey, do you guys want to go down to the Sox weekend? Hey, Pete, where are they? Are we going to, you know, do we have to go to Pittsburgh for this one? And so what I think you could do is if there's another trip, just wear out a little bit. How many Google <laughs> has, has this be, one have? Yeah, it has to be a little tactical. Every time she has an idea, I'd be like, do you think they'll have recycling? <laughs> and then right active website like, hey, or is, no is the yeah active website be like dude water park be like okay what are the reviews be like dude, are there any is reviews there two hours away 1984 oh here's a yelp from 84 doug liked it doug said the slides were super fast <laughs> so <laughs> you could do a very passive version of what kyle was talking about uh, in perfect. the beginning perfect where you're just on a mission i want 10 times or you could even do like next time she has an idea be like, are you sure? Is it going to be jungle coffee again? Are you sure? <laughs> All right, let's double. And you pretend you're being playful, but you're not. You're being, yeah, you're being tactical. You're being tactical with it the entire time. And it can be even a little fun for you and your girlfriend. Totally. The time. You'd be like, inside joke. Here's what I'm going to, yeah, it's your little inside joke and it's going to be a thing. And if she gets mad at you and loses it and takes it to another level, you won. Then it's her, it's her, her yeah, she's you're overreacting. You're just having a good time over here. <laughs> hey, giving hey, somebody hey, the, hey, yeah. Yeah. hey, just giving you a little of a what for. <laughs> We're all just having fun here. <laughs> I think it's three votes for this option. This is great. This is great. No, we took a little bit of yeah. everything. Yeah, we took a little bit of everything for this, for this one. That's great. <laughs> Let us know what the joke ends up being if you go this route. Uh, the reason, I'm not even laughing about what we just did. I just found one of the pilot emails. We get an email from a pilot. <laughs> you guys want it? Yeah. Oh, all right. Titled Flying. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say which airline he's a pilot for, but he's like, I'm assuming this one is on your shit list, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> yours isn't even on it because I will not fly that airline. Sorry. I appreciate what you're doing for us, though, for the troops. Um, I really wish that pilots had better information to pass along. It is frustrating because we often have no idea why the delay is taking so long. It is out of our control. I always feel like an asshole giving the delay update that there is no update. Still waiting. I was trying to come up with what annoying passenger tendencies you guys could uh, you guys would have. 
but didn't come up with much and believe that you three are all rather chill passengers and won't be on the passenger shaming account anytime soon. Definitely not. But I do think Kyle is one of the last to board and puts his backpack and coat in the overhead bin. So Rudy probably asked the flight He's attendant. right. Oh, you do do that? Oh, yeah. Because I check right. my bag. So I like to have, I'm six, I'm six two and I'm sitting economy. I need all the leg room I can get. Sorry, not sorry. Okay, so what he's doing, he's trying to guess what we would all be like. And he's all nailed right. me. He so Rudy probably asked the flight attendant what they have and then orders at least two things. <laughs> Come on. I don't think you would do that. <laughs> no, I don't order anything on planes. I, than, like, I can't even think ale. of anything, Saruti, that you would do that would fit your personality that would be bad on a flight. I can't even think of anything. I think we probably know you as well as anyone. I do what Kyle does. I, you know, I just check a bag, overhead Backpack band, in the overhead, right? Yeah. I, I I reserve that space. Well, why can't it? Why does it have to not be a backpack? Do you have a carry on as well? I try not to. I did. I did. If I'm checking a bag, no. Yeah, exactly. No. Backpack. But it, but if yeah, if I'm not checking a bag, I'll have a carry on. Yeah, correct. Like I had right. a carry on to Charleston. And I'll I'll right. do the I'll do the I'm always last aboard anyway. He's right. So it's like usually they're offering free checks anyway. So then I can throw my backpack ahead anyway. Yep. If it's a free Good check, call. I'm checking it. All right. I think what he was saying is that you'd be carry on, then take up the extra space too. No, I don't. I don't take up the extra people, space. Yeah, yeah. I, don't I use the space I reserved. With Saruti, I'm guessing a hot tea and obscure flavored sparkling water in a can. God, who? God who do you think this it. is? Just because he likes soccer? I and maybe hit. order a ginger ale. That's this is it. what happens when you shit on pilots, buddy. This is this is the way they dig you. No, this is what happens when all you do is talk about Harry Styles. How about that new one, <laughs> Harry's houses? I've heard. Yeah, new Harry's house. Fire, dude. Don't worry about it. Yep. Yeah. What was he wearing album. the last time out? Fucking shower curtain. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not my choice, but you know, teach his own. So Rudy's also the most likely to kick the sandals off and putting his bare feet up what? in the middle aisle or against the neighbor. neighbor. <laughs> now, then yeah. he wouldn't do any of these happening things. right now. <laughs> he has you as some dainty elitist European who loves. I don't right. go bare feet on a plane ever. I'll pop I don't the know shoes where off, sandals on but socks either. definitely on. So you have to wear the socks. If it's like if it's a if it's a flight over like five hours and I'm sleeping, I'll pop the shoes off. But usually my wife's next to me, so it doesn't fucking matter. If it was some rando next to me, I'm not doing that. Um, he says that Ryan definitely has over ear earphones on the entire time. It doesn't make eye contact or conversation whatsoever. You're more of a buds guy, though, right? Yeah, I have the. I definitely don't talk to people, but no. Although I'm not afraid. Like if I've seen when I used to fly all the time and somebody was being an asshole. I wasn't afraid to say something. How would you, how would this, you go about it? I've thought about it many times and I was like, I don't want to be on a video. Just want to get, I'd say something like, no, no, I've never like gotten loud or anything like this. It's just pretty, pretty typical. Of my person, like when somebody decides four rows back that they're going to move up the four rows with their bag as the plane is pulling into the tarmac as if they've won some contest. Yeah. And you know, if I'm like getting out and they like pass me, and then we're all just standing there. It's like, cool, you've moved up four rows. I may say something like, do you think this is how that's like supposed to work? <laughs> okay, that's cool. I like that. Like, do you, do you think like, do you think everybody should do it that way? And then just kind of like not, stay, just like let it go. Just let it go. Well, you're like, on your way off the plane at this point though. Yeah. I was looking for more of like a mid-flight example, but um, it sounds like maybe that's not your no. style. Mid-flight? No. 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 That's I mean, crazy. When we, were younger, when we were younger, we would drink on planes and stuff, which is fucking stupid. You know, it's like... You drink before the it, plane. Yeah, but, you know, when you're young, you just, you're dumb. You just drink and you're just like, whatever, you know? I'm not telling... But uh, 
I remember when guys first got jobs like out of out of college. And I remember one guy called us like on our house phone and he was shit faced on a red eye calling from the air like the phone. You just run your credit card to the back of the phone. He's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, what's going on? And we're like, man, that Pete is awesome. Like how wheeling cool and is dealing. That guy? He's flying from <laughs> Chicago to New York City late at night. He's getting drunk. That guy's fucking that guy's king of the world. <laughs> What do you guys want to do? Let's go back inside and put our hands in our wind pants and watch TV for seven hours. Okay, cool. All right. That'll do the podcast for uh, today. That's an hour, hour and 20 of just hanging out with the buddies. So hope everybody hope enjoyed it. it. <laughs> yeah, please subscribe. Uh, leave an updated review. We have an active website for the pod. <laughs> Five stars almost. If you want to check it out. I'll be on with Bill. Could have a finals matchup by then on Sunday. Finals preview. Uh, so this will be a lot of fun. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Sunday. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.